64,000 is the median number of words per book. Average person reads about 200 words per minute. Simple math will tell us that is one book in 320 minutes. To accomplish this in seven days, numbers say you would have to read for 45 minutes a day. Don't forget to subscribe. Hit that notification button, like, comment, and share. Enjoy. Hello, and happy day. How does slowing down sound to you today? Would you like to reduce the noise for just a bit? Are you ready to make a choice and decide to listen? My name is Igor S.F. Walker. I am here to remind people to slow down, to reduce the noise, to walk, their lives into a natural flow. Welcome back to the Book of the Week series. Every week, as I read another amazing title, I share it with the world. Today, we look at On Becoming a Person, a therapist's view of psychotherapy by Carl Rogers. In this video, we look at thoughts, insights, and experiences shared by the founder of the humanistic psychology movement, who revolutionized psychotherapy with his concept of client-centered therapy. Simple, straightforward, clear, and never so arrogant as to say, this is the right way. Only if this is the way I see it, or have found it to be. We look at personal growth, dealing with difficult emotions, and the good life, self-actualization, on the road of becoming a person. So stick around till the end. I will share with you some tools I do have and use that will help you tremendously in this game of life. Discover a way to find out what actually motivates you, what innate human need is driving all of your decisions and your behavior. I will share some tools to improve your self-awareness, social awareness, self-management, and relationship management. For example, one study of transcripts of therapy sessions found that in response to clarification and interpretation tools of psychoanalysis, clients typically abandon self-exploration, only reflection of feeling by the therapist leads directly to further exploration and new insights. Humans require acceptance, and given acceptance, they move towards self-actualization. Haughty and distant posture, the one assumed by many psychoanalysts at mid-century, is certainly counter-therapeutic. The self-awareness and human presence of the therapist is more important than the therapist's technical training, and the boundary between psychotherapy and ordinary life is necessarily a thin one. If acceptance, empathy, and positive regard are the necessary and sufficient conditions for human growth, then they ought equally to inform teaching, friendship, and family life. In my relationships with persons, I have found that it does not help, in the long run, to act as though I were something that I am not. 
it doesn't help to act calm and pleasant when actually I am angry and critical. It doesn't help to act as though I know the answers when I do not. It doesn't help to act as though I were a loving person if actually, at the moment, I'm hostile. It doesn't help for me to act as though I were full of assurance if actually I am frightened and unsure. What I am saying here, put in another way, is that I have not found it to be helpful or effective in my relationships with other people to try to maintain a facade, to act in one way on the surface when I'm actually experiencing something quite different underneath. It does not, I believe, make me helpful in my attempts to build up constructive relationships with other individuals. I find I am more effective when I can listen acceptantly to myself and can be myself. I feel that over the years I have learned to become more adequate in listening to myself so that I do know somewhat more adequately than what I used to what I am feeling at any given moment to be able to realize I am angry or that I do feel rejecting towards this person or that I do feel very full of warmth and affection for this individual or that I'm bored and uninterested in what is going on or that I'm eager to understand this individual, or that I'm anxious and fearful in my relationship to this other person. I feel I have become more adequate in letting myself be what I am. It becomes easier for me to accept myself as a decidedly imperfect person, and by no means functions at all times in the way I wish, which I would like to function. A curious paradox is that when I accept myself as I am, then I change. Because we cannot change, we cannot move away from what we are until we thoroughly accept what we are. Then change seems to come about almost unnoticed. I believe that it is an increase in a common pattern in our culture for each one of us to believe every other person must feel and think and believe the same as I do. We find it very hard to permit our children or our parents or our spouses to feel differently than we do about particular issues or problems. We cannot permit our clients or our students to differ from us or to utilize their own experience in their own individual way. On a national scale, we cannot permit another nation to think or feel differently than we do. Yet it has come to seem to me that this separateness of individuals, the right of each individual to utilize his or her experience in his or her own way, and to discover his or her own meaning in it is one of the most priceless potentialities of life. The more I am open to the realities in me and in the other person, the less do I find myself wishing to rush into fix things, and the more respect I feel for the complex processes of life.
So I become less and less inclined to hurry into fix things, to set goals, to mold people, to manipulate and push them in a way that I would like for them to go in. I'm much more content simply to be myself and to let another person be themselves. Experience is, for me, the highest authority, the touchstone of validity in my own experience. No other person's ideas and none of my own ideas are as authoritative as my experience. It is through experience and to experience that I must return again and again to discover a closer approximation to truth as it is in the process of becoming in me. What is most personal is also most general. The very feeling which has seemed to me most private, most personal, and hence most incomprehensible by others, has turned out to be an expression for which there is a resonance in many other people. It has led me to believe that what is most personal and unique in each one of us is probably the very element which would, if it were shared or expressed, speak the most deeply to others. This has helped me to understand artists and poets as people who have dared to express the unique in themselves. Life, at its best, is a flowing, changing process in which nothing is fixed. If I can create a relationship characterized on my part by a genuineness and transparency in which I am and my real feelings, by a warm acceptance of and praising of the other person as a separate individual, by a sensitive ability to see his or her world and him or herself as they see themselves, then the other individual in the relationship will experience and understand aspects of themselves which previously he or she has repressed or find himself better integrated, more able to function effectively, would become more similar to the person he or she would like to be, will be more self-directing and self-confident, will become more of a person, more unique and more self-expressive, will be more understanding, more acceptant of others, will be able to cope with the problems of life more adequately and more comfortably. <clears throat> we have here a general hypothesis which offers exciting possibilities for the development of creative, adaptive, autonomous persons. It is not upon the physical sciences that the future will depend. It is upon us who are trying to understand and deal with the interactions between human beings, who are trying to create helping relationships. So I hope that the questions I ask of myself will be of some use to you in gaining understanding and perspective as you endeavor in your way to facilitate growth in your relationships. To be afraid of being merely homo sapiens is the discovery that if we can add to the sensory and visceral experience, which is characteristic of the 
whole animal kingdom, the gift of a free and undisordered awareness of which only the human animal seems fully capable, we have an organism which is beautifully and constructively realistic. We have then an organism which is as aware of the demands of the culture as it is of its own physiological demands for food or sex, which is just as aware of its desire for friendly relationships as it is of its desire to aggrandize itself, which is just as aware of its delicate and sensitive tenderness towards others as it is of its hostilities towards others. When man's unique capacity of awareness is thus functioning freely and fully, we find that we have not an animal who we must fear, not a beast who must be controlled, but an organism able to achieve through the remarkable integrative capacity of its central nervous system, a balanced, realistic, self-enhancing, other-enhancing behavior as a result of all these elements of awareness. To put it another way, when man is less than fully man, when he denies to awareness the various aspects of his experience, then, indeed, we have all too often reason to fear him and his behavior, as the present world situation testifies. But when he is fully man, when he is his complete organism, the awareness of experience, that peculiar human attribute, is most fully operating, then he is to be trusted, and his behavior is constructive. The most common despair is to be in despair of not choosing or willing to be oneself. But the deepest form of the despair is to choose to be another than himself. On the other hand, to will to be that self which one truly is, is indeed the opposite of despair. And this choice is the deepest responsibility of man. Am I living in a way which is deeply satisfying to me and which truly expresses me? This, I think, is perhaps the most important question for the creative individual to recognize that I am the one who chooses and I am the one who determines the value of an experience for me is both an invigorating and a frightening realization characteristics of these individuals, as they do strive to discover and become themselves, is that the individual seems to become more content to be a process rather than a product. What is my goal in life? What am I striving for? What is my purpose? These are the questions which every individual asks him or herself at one time or another, sometimes calmly and meditatively, sometimes in agonizing uncertainty or despair. They are old, old questions which have been asked and answered in every century of history, yet they are also questions which every individual must ask and answer for themselves, in their own way. <coughs> Freedom 
to be oneself is a frighteningly responsible thing. Freedom arid, an individual moves towards it cautiously, fearfully, and with almost no confidence at all. Nor would I want to give the impression that he always makes sound choices. To be responsibly self-directing means that one chooses and then learns from the consequences. So clients find this a sobering but exciting kind of experience. One client says, I feel frightened and vulnerable to cut loose from support, but I also feel a sort of a surging up of this force of strength in me. This is a common kind of a reaction as the client takes over the self-direction of his own life and behavior. To some it appears that to be what one is is to remain static. They see such a purpose or value as synonymous with being fixed or unchanging. Nothing could be further from the truth. To be what one is is to enter fully into being a process. Change is facilitated, probably maximized, when one is willing to be what he truly is. Indeed, it is the person who is denying his or her feelings and reactions is the person that tends to come forth for therapy. Often for years, they have been trying to change, but they find themselves fixed in these behaviors that they dislike. It is only as he or she can become more of himself or herself can they be more of they have denied themselves that there is any prospect of change. The good life is a process, not a state of being. It is a direction, not a destination. The direction which constitutes the good life is that which is selected by the total organism when there is psychological freedom to move in any direction. This organismically selected direction seems to add certain discernible general quality, which appear to be the same in a wide variety of unique individuals. The good life, from the point of view of my experience, is the process of movement in a direction in which the human organism selects when it is inwardly free to move in any direction. And the general qualities of this selected direction appear to have a certain universality. The emotionally maladjusted person, the neurotic, is in difficulty first because communication within himself has been broken and second, because as the result of this, his communication with others has been damaged. If this sounds somewhat strange to you, then let me put it in other terms. In the neurotic individual, parts of himself or herself which have been termed unconscious or repressed or denied to awareness become blocked off so that they no longer communicate themselves to the conscious or managing part of themselves. As long as this is true, there are distortions in the way he or she communicates himself or herself to others, 
and so he or she suffers both within and in their interpersonal relationships. Good communication, free communication within or between men is always therapeutic. Real communication occurs and this evaluative tendency is avoided when we listen with understanding. What does this mean? It means to see the expressed ideal and attitude from the other person's point of view, to sense how it feels to them to achieve their frame of reference in regard to the thing they are talking about. Understanding with a person, not about them, is such an effective approach that it can bring about major changes in personality. It is possible for us to choose to value men as self-actualizing process of becoming, to value creativity and the process by which knowledge becomes self-transcending. We can proceed by the methods of science to discover the conditions which are necessarily preceding these processes, and through continuing experimentation to discover better means of achieving these purposes. It is possible for individuals or groups to set these conditions with a minimum of power or control. According to present knowledge, the only authority necessary is the authority to establish certain qualities of interpersonal relationships. Exposed to these conditions, present knowledge suggests that individuals become more self-responsible. They make progression in self-actualization. They become more flexible, more unique and varied, more creatively adaptive. Thus, such an initial choice would inaugurate the beings of a social system or a subsystem in which values, knowledge, adaptive skills, and even the concept of science would be continually changing and self-transcending. The emphasis would be upon a man as a process of becoming. And there you have it on Becoming a Person by Carl Rogers. Please do help out. It is easy. Simply like this video so more people can enjoy it. Share it too and spread the word. Do leave a comment and share your thoughts. Subscribe to my channel and stay up to date. And the link to this book is in the description below. So buy it and read. Never stop learning. Especially learning about yourself and nature. So gift yourself by taking the free human needs test on my website and find out what actually motivates you, what innate human need is driving all of your decisions and your behavior. And if you feel you are ready to improve your self-awareness, social awareness, self-management and relationship management even further, then do check out my Master of Life Awareness program. The links are in the description below. Thank you. Love and respect.